0: To me, this conservation lifestyle, how much, how high the wall do you have to build to hide from that information? And that's the tragedy.
1: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Speak the Language podcast. I'm not going to waste a lot of time getting into this episode because today is the day a lot of you have been waiting for. Ever since we started this podcast, y'all have been asking, for us to have the infamous Uncle Ted on the show and today is that day I don't really have to say anything because the man speaks for himself how can you not love Uncle Ted right so We're going to get into that conversation, but just real quick, before I do, a few things I want to mention. First off, Primo's Truth About Hunting on Outdoor Channel, new episodes airing now. Be sure to check those out. Also, the Primo's YouTube channel, uploading new shows every Tuesday, and also the Primo's Truth web series on Primo's.com. Go to Primo's.com, hover over the Learn tab, and you'll see it in there, the Primo's Truth web series. Be sure to check all those things out. Plenty of good content. We try to keep it rolling for y'all. That's all I'm going to say, because I really wanted to go ahead and get into this episode with Uncle Ted. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Enjoy the show.
0: Are you kidding me? I've actually got this to work. You expect me to believe that? (laughs) Uncle Ted. Let's rock, Pickles. What's going on? I don't know, but my Pickles in the lake. How about you? (laughs) Is this actually working? Do you actually have me on here? Am I live? Yeah. Yeah, we're rolling.
1: We're recording. Yeah, we're good to go. All right, let's do this. Look, thank you so much, first and foremost, for doing this. Here's the thing. Uh, Since we started this podcast, it'll be three years in September, people have been asking to have you on. But quite honestly, I wanted to give it a chance to, you know, get an audience before, you know, before we had you on here. So now, you know, when you were talking to Jimmy the other day, I was like, now is the time. I want to have you on here to talk to you.
0: Hey, Lake Pickle, now you, you respect your elders, right? And you're ready to learn from your dear old great-great-grandpa, Uncle Ted, right? Absolutely. Take a look at this young whippersnapper. I'm fueled by spirit, attitude, piss and vinegar, and backstrap supreme. I'm cocked, locked, and ready to rock the Glock, Doc 24-7-365-72. When you need Uncle Ted, I'm on fire.
1: I love it. I love it. So uh, as far as this podcast goes, I'm all about just diving straight into the meat of things. So I wanted to open it with, I, I thought you would appreciate this story. Or um, So the, the, the last and the only time I've gotten to hang out with you was when we went to on the elk hunt with Jimmy in Colorado
0: great great event great at the hill ranch there with my son Toby. uh another ex- example of the fiery you know sparkly memories that my my entire 72 years has been filled with and it was great sharing a campfire with you there you primos guys deserve me you got the right attitude you get that spirit plus you make some pretty good chow so that's enough
1: <laughs> so here's the thing is, is as you probably know you have a lot of, of people that love you in Mississippi, a lot of fans and everything. And um, I can remember my dad showing me cat scratch fever when I was a little guy. And and so, you know, between my dad and other people that I knew when that, you know, I told him I was going on this elk trip and that you were going to be, be there. When I got back, I got so many questions. They were like, what was Ted like? What was he like? What was he like? And my answer to that was, I was like, man, how you see him on, on you know on his shows and when he's doing his facebook videos and how passionate he comes across about the hunting and just the outdoors lifestyles like that's that's not a put on that's just him that's you know he he's just a as real as it gets. And that's what I had to say to him. And so,
0: well, thank you for that. What, this is all I got Lake. You know, I, I was born in Detroit in 1948 when it was universally known as the arsenal of democracy. Did you know that you probably went to school in America? So you never heard that before, but Detroit stopped building cars and trucks and started building tanks and howitzers and bombs and fighter planes. So there was a spirit that if you have a constitution and a bill of rights, And if your life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness was based on, you know, really radical stuff like the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule, you know, really radical, really really extremist people, where we met the British punks at the Concord Bridge when they came to disarm us, and we shot them. So that permeated my upbringing. And being clean and sober, that's the most important message I can possibly convey is that I'm 72, and I was just hanging out with a farmer buddy of mine who's like 70, he looked like my grandpa. He's been drinking and smoking and chewing tobacco and, and God knows what kind of goofy ass diet some of these people have. But you know, if you really respect your gift from God, the gift of life, and especially if your dad forces you to appreciate it when you're growing up. God bless my dad. God bless your dad. If your dad showed you Cat Scratch Fever, the animal breeding soundtrack, then you were brought up right, Lake. So so what? this is all I got. I haven't got time to pretend. I don't pretend when I get on stage and there's flames coming out of my butt. Those are real flames because I love this American rhythm and blues and rock and roll. And when I'm sitting in that tree... Like I'm even before the season right now. I This loud Motor City madman, Lake, I am the quietest creature that ever sat like a statue for hours after hours. I don't even move my head. I only look with my eyes and I wear my miracle ears like right now. That's the only reason I can hear you. Like I got my hearing aids in. So, you know, if you're going to live... Live life to the fullest, and that's how I was raised. If you're going to paint the fence, paint it perfectly, or I'll make you paint it again. And he did. <laughs> so, so I'm like you. I think the 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 greatest compliment you can give to a person, which I give to Jimmy, I give to you guys, certainly all my sons and daughters and grandkids, and my brother and my sister, my band, my crew, Linda, and Doug. I mean, everybody in my world. You know what we we didn't set out to be this way but by being conscientious and appreciative and respectful to other people's american dreams and trying to be an asset to your family and your friends and your country and the earth the ultimate compliment that everybody at primos deserves down to earth Mm -hmm. grounded i use the aboriginal term blood brothers I'm here for you, and I bet you're here for me. And I know my farmer buddy that looked like my grandpa. I know he's here for me, too. Um, so down-to-earth ground. And what does down-to-earth mean? It means you got dirt under your fingernails. It means you've got your own deer. It means you plant food, and you plant trees as you harvest wood to heat the house. It's so simple, even a guitar player could figure it out. So that's how I've lived my life. So I appreciate that compliment because a camp will determine real quickly who's down to earth, who's grounded, and who is an asset to deer camp or elk camp. And that's really how I've picked my friends throughout my life. So I, I'm a lucky guy and I, I'm proud to be part of the Primos family. I promise you that.
1: Look, we're proud to have you. And it, it was it, it was such such an incredible experience for me just to be able to share that camp with you. Just, you know, from from my perspective of, of having a, you know, my, my dad showing me your music and then getting to actually hang out with you, that was cool. One of, the, one of the, I guess, the more memorable moments from that trip was after you had killed your bull and the packing out
0: process, after, and you had just gone through knee surgery. I had both of my knees replaced just before that hunt, and I'm sure if the doctor told me anything, he told me, don't climb any hills with meat on your back. But, but I'm so adrenalized. I've gotten high on adrenaline my whole life, yeah. both in the hunting lifestyle and in the, the dog training and the rock and roll creativity tsunami. So I have to be a little bit careful because sometimes I still think I'm Bruce Lee. <laughs> so So I remember on that trip, even though I humped to the best of my ability, you probably didn't hear me groaning that night because my knees were really kicking my ass. But again, that moment... Down to earth, you killed this magnificent bull with this beautiful aim small, miss small, sniper, 300-win mag savage, and I got my friends around, me. my son's there. I mean, it's literally, I I don't know how many hunters use this term, but I think all of them should. When you are 100% committed to be a reasoning predator, and you encounter the beast and all your training and all your dedicated practice comes to the fore and comes to fruition, it, it's out of body.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It, to me, as that deer is approaching, even last night I was sitting in a tree, even though the season's not open, I just like to sit in trees and watch them and figure them out. And I can't figure them out, but I, I don't buy chicken, so I'm doing pretty <laughs> good. Um, my point is is that I think as a hunter, and you know it when you're behind the guys with the camera or you got a bow or a gun in your own hand, there's no riots, there's no terrorists, there's no hate, there's no corrupt criminal punk ass politicians ripping us off, because all that's, all that's everywhere. But when you're in the hunt spirit predator mode, it's out of body. By the way, in 2020, thank God, do we need that now more than ever? So I fight the good fight to hold elected employees to constitutional accountability. Boy, I'm radical. I'm, I'm out of control. I hold my elected employees to constitutional accountability, and it's a, it's a hellacious fight. It's really unnerving and really ugly. But then, like right now, I got happy Sadie and Coco. I completely wore them out. We killed our 16th red squirrel today. We got a world record red squirrel in two days. And... And when I'm doing that, there literally isn't any politics. There isn't any pissing and moaning. There's no hate and no arsonists and no, you know, Black Lives Matter and MS-13 and Antifa and people burning down cities. I fight against that and try to fix that. But then I go with the dogs or shemaine. We go fishing. I sit in a tree or I shoot a squirrel. Um, It literally i use the term all the time you hear it all the time it cleanse the soul so we need that in 2020 more than ever you know
1: i would i would have to to say that it's not a say i mean with as how active you are and as how outspoken you are in like current world events as you should be you're a great voice for it but i would say that what you're talking about like spending time with your dogs and sitting in trees it's necessary you know you got if you just did one and not the other it would It would drive you crazy and all the things
0: going on in our world today. Well, when you see ugly, you know, did you ever see the movie Old Yeller? Of course. Of course. Do you know how many people have never seen that movie? And let me tell you, more important than reading, writing, and arithmetic and history more important than personal hygiene. Of course, I mentioned all the things that a whole bunch of people haven't figured out yet. They can't read or write. They don't know how to add or subtract. They don't know anything about history. And they certainly haven't found a washcloth and a bar of soap yet. And they're here in Seattle right now. <laughs> I know we're laughing because I'm really good at making a joke out of the ugliest things in the world. But the missing link. Now, people think I just pull this stuff out of my ass and I just go into hyper mode. Well, I do. But what I pull out of my ass is truth, logic, and common sense. And hear me well, young man. And I want you to spread this everywhere. Where you, where you witness people, we see it every day, who have lost their soul, who are squawking and complaining. How about these so-called professional athletes that disrespect the flag that represents the American dream that has enriched them, and they're t- they're disrespecting it based on a lie about this so-called systemic racism. There isn't any. There's some occasional ugly, stupid, racist moment, but it's not systemic by any means. I think hard work and rugged individualism, I think that's systemic. I think neighbors caring about neighbors, that's systemic. My point being, I bring you back to old yeller. No kids even know what I'm talking about when I bring this up. There should be a curriculum in every school from preschool through law degree graduation and it should be the old yeller curriculum and it's so simple it goes like this and this defies life old yeller great dog we love the dog he sits on our lap sometimes he gets on the bed and sleeps with us and we hug him and he licks us and and he saved the child from the rattlesnake good old yeller biscuit quality food love affection he stopped the cougar from killing the, the sheep. Good old yeller, another biscuit. And then old yeller starts foaming at the mouth. He got rabies. Good old yeller, biscuit and love. Foaming at the mouth, old yeller, bullet between the eyes. There's accountability. Your conduct indicates whether you are an asset, good old yeller, or a liability, rabid old yeller. Mm-hmm. And right now, we are actually sending out a signal that the rabid old yeller needs a hug. And I, I, know, I know you're following me, but yeah. you see these corrupt politicians hugging the rabid old yeller in Seattle and Portland and Minneapolis and Atlanta and Chicago every minute of the day. It, no, no, no. Good reward. Life threatening. And a lot of people, well, that's harsh. Uh, you think? <laughs> yeah, it's harsh because he's rabid. And if he bites your child, your child will die. So I, I, I know people follow me. I do media every day, and I get this word out. And even someone who wants to take an antagonistic, uh, uh, dare to be antagonistic against Ted Nugent because I have truth, logic, common sense, and unlimited evidence to support everything I stand for and everything I articulate. When I give them those kind of examples, I finish what I just said, and on the other end of the phone or on the other end of the Zoom or the Skype, Silence, because what the hell are you going to say to goodness, reward, life threaten punishment? Mm -hmm. It's the missing link. And it's missing because our schools, since certainly even before I graduated in 1967, they they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Well, guess who's burning down Seattle? People who never had their feelings questioned and feelings um, end up being foam around the mouth. So uh, I know we're trying to keep this positive and I am because if you have a beautiful truck with lots of horsepower, great suspension, super handling, high performance, but it's got a flat tire, what are you going to look at? The paint job or the flat tire? Yeah. We have a flat tire in America. So I go out every day with a with a monkey wrench and a, a star wrench and a jack and I keep trying to change this flat tire And I feel good at the end of the day, and I reward myself with a a hunt with the dogs or uh, sitting in a tree and monitoring my next backstrap victim. So it's about balance. I think the most important thing we can uh, celebrate and and, and prod and, and, and encourage people is that you have to fight against the rabid old yeller. You have to demand punishment of the rabbit old yeller. and at the same time you have to demand rewards for people who sacrifice and risk so that they earn their own way and they they take care of the good earth and they're environmentalists and they're stewards of precious life-giving resources and their conservation is demanding the wise use of God's renewable pantry. So I'm just a goofy guitar player and I, I not only wrote Wango Tango, but I meant it. So I can I can go off into, you know, hyper rock and roll maniac tangents, but I can also teach my grandkids and my children at the Ted Nugent Camp for Kids for 31 years that good old yeller biscuit, foaming at the mouth old yeller, got to be punished, got to be – he needs to get out of here. He can't live in our life, in our society. So the clean and sober celebration, aim small, miss small – um, healing powers of nature. God bless it. Uh, that's what the Primos family lives. I know that's how you guys operate. And you're, we're not alone. Everybody I know does this. So maybe they're not all as, as hardcore hunting as we are. But even my bandmates, who in many instances never hunted, they're so fascinated at my energy level, my passion, and my excitability, that they, most of them have become at least marksmen, gun owners, and some of them have Become hunters and fishermen, so it is contagious if you exude it the way you feel it, and I know that's how you guys feel it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. That's, I can't help but because I, I just know how impactful hunting, fishing, being outside, what that's done to me, what I've seen it do to other people, and so I mean, you can't help but think, you know, some of these people that are going wild in these in these cities, like you're talking about, like what would happen if they'd have had a, a dad or somebody that had them in the woods when they were young.
0: How would that have turned out, you know? Well, I did a, I did a bunch of interviews just in the last few days after the great President Donald Trump signed that great Outdoors Act where he made millions and millions of acres available to we the people who happen to own those acres. <laughs> I'd like to find the dirt bag who told us we couldn't use them. Um, maybe we would do a foaming at the mouth old yeller on that punk. Anyhow, I digress. Actually, I progress. Um, I, I talk about I talk about the healing powers of nature and, and how it, it, it teaches you to be down to earth and reliable and accountable and productive. And I all, all, all this last week I've been saying in my interviews, I can promise you that none of the rioters, none of the anarchists, none of the people who wanna defund the police and thereby cultivate more violent crime, those people that are burning down cities and assaulting people, and terrorizing neighborhoods, and ruining people's lives. Lake Pickle, none of them have a hunting license, or a fishing license, or a trapping license in their pocket. They have no idea how Mother Nature is the source of every breath we take, every food we consume, every wood that builds our homes and it's the conservationists the hunters the fishermen the trappers the landowners the ranchers the farmers people who are in touch with the reality of how we are one with mother nature we don't burn down cities we build cities so there really is i think a glaring unambiguous spotlight on what happens to a society that isn't down to earth that isn't grounded that doesn't understand their their reverence or their duty to Mother Nature to put more back in than we take, and they've attacked me all my life because I murder innocent animals. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, how much brain-altering chemical warfare do you have to pound on yourself to think that, Ted Nugent's the only guy killing stuff. Since we started this interview, I think 17 billion chickens were decapitated because people (laughs) like cordon blue. My point is, is that when I get these points across that the best people in the world happen to be hunters and fishermen and trappers, landowners, outdoorsmen and women, ranchers, farmers, people in touch with the earth. And these rabid old yellers ruining everyone else's lives, they have no idea that hunting is perfect. Fishing, perfect. Trapping, perfect. It balances nature, and that's where quality air, soil, and water comes from. Balanced wildlife habitat due to the annual harvest. Are you kidding me? Oh, by the way, write this down. One plus one equals two. To me, this conservation lifestyle how much, how high the wall do you have to build to hide from that information? And that's the tragedy. So as the hunting season is coming on and I'm I'm loading up right now, I got, I mean, I've been doing this since 1950, 1949, October of 49. I went north with my family at the age of 10 months. <laughs> and I'm packing up right now because I got a bear tag in northern Michigan on my property up there in the northern lower peninsula. And I am so excited to start the baits going and take the dogs up there and get some squirrels and, and start monitoring the uh, the Bushnell trail cameras and finding out the bears are ridiculously overpopulated up there. And I'm going to try to get me a big old rug steak with my Matthews bow. And I'm so excited I can't stand it.
1: And I love that, because you know, as I can tell, just I can tell through the Zoom screen how genuinely excited you are about that. And I love it. You know, it's it's that's people ask me, and I'm and I'm I've only been doing the Primos thing for I think I'm going on seven years. Like, do you ever get tired of it? Do you ever like not want to go hunting? Like. No. <laughs> of course, no. Don't get tired of it.
0: Lake, I talk about it on Spirit of the Wild. I, we've had uh, Ted Nugent, Spirit of the Wild on Outdoor Channel. What started on public television in 1989. Shemaine and I started carrying this big-ass camera around, catching me, you know, <laughs> shooting stuff with my old bow and arrow. And it was on public television in 1989. We've been doing Ted Nugent's Spirit of the Wild for 31 years. We just did our 500th show. And what you see is people sometimes, they think I exaggerate. I don't have to exaggerate because what I do every day appears to be an exaggeration to people who aren't as alive as I am. Lake, I hunt every day. I went squirrel hunting with the dogs this morning. We, got, we run traps for these red squirrels that are devastating my barn. And, and I'm winning, by the way. And red squirrels are really, really smart. Um, between my little uh, suppressed twenty-two and the dogs, I'm, and I'm I'm an old man and I've killed lots of game. I've killed elephants and rhino and lions and and cape buffalo and elk and moose and caribou and I mean I've lived the, the dream hunting life. I get so excited when happy trees a squirrel <laughs> so I literally... In one way or another, especially since this Chinese Communist virus hit and the tour was canceled, everybody's tour was canceled, and that breaks my heart, but I'm still making killer music with my band. up the best, the best cranking licks of my life. But I hunt or run my traps or fish every day. Mm. Every day I check my traps. Every day I shoot a squirrel for the dogs every day i shoot blue jays and starlings and and red squirrels every day i exercise my aboriginal self-sufficient spirit and i i I don't hurt i mean i kill so many raccoons We, we are the only property in southern michigan a lot of people don't believe this when i when i say it we have lots of pheasants because i slaughter the coons Possums, skunks, snapping turtles, uh, the coyotes, the fox, everything that just marauds to eat eggs, I keep those on at least to a reasonable level of control. So some of our pheasant nests actually survive. We have pheasants on our property that is just, it, to me, an old pheasant hunter back in the 50s and early 60s, there were pheasants everywhere yeah. and now i have pheasants because nobody started in the late 60s trapping kind of went away nobody trapped so all these varmints all these egg stealers are just out of control uh not on my property i have this i have this control factor going on so if you kill enough of those egg steel environments, you can have quail and pheasants. But if you don't wage war on them, you'll never have any n- ground-nesting birds. So I'm going to have a great pheasant season, great duck season, great squirrels, grouse, woodcock, uh, great sandhill cranes, uh, deer. Oh, my God. I got a bear tag. It's just going to be a riot.
1: I love it. The, uh, so have you been able to hunt pheasants before? Is this going to be the first season that you're going you're gonna to do it on your Well,
0: you know, I got a buddy down the road that has a pheasant preserve. Okay. So we can start running the dogs and the dogs live for that stuff. Right. So I'll start hunting early when the, when the game, game preserve season starts. But uh, our pheasant season here in Michigan is October 20th. And I promise you, that's one morning I won't deer hunt. Uh, me and the dogs have a date, but I'll probably hunt pheasants most of the day and then get back in my tree stand that afternoon. So I hunt, I hunt all the game, and that's what we eat. We don't buy chicken. We don't buy beef or pork. Uh, we kill our own food, and I think that's another reason at 72 that I'm so damn healthy. Obviously, number one is clean and sober, but a, a, an intelligent, conscientious diet that starts with natural, organic, wild game, and that's the story of my life.
1: See, I started pheasant hunting. I went pheasant hunting for the first time, uh, three years ago. And I tell, I tell you this because I know you're, you're a dog person. Um, so I have a dog now and, and he went pheasant hunting with me for the first time this past November.
0: I bet he about went nuts, didn't he? My,
1: my love for pheasant hunting, it grew exponentially. Just watching Knox, Knox is his name, uh, Watching him figure it out and get birdie and flush those pheasants and retrieve them, and it was—I I, I thought I loved pheasant hunting before, but now that I get to take and run my dogs and go
0: it's—it's—I can't not go. It's <laughs> I go every year. All about the dogs. It's
1: all—I'm—I've
0: never been without dogs, and I wish I could turn this around, but I got to hook up to a microphone and stuff. But I live. I got Sadie. She's a Labrador. She's over here and Happy is a Catahoula black Mouth cur, yellow lab. He climbs trees. He climbs <laughs> trees for coons and squirrels. He's my best friend, and then I have a beautiful uh, Michigan State Police canine uh, German Shepherd s- drug sniffer, and uh, and my German Shepherd, Coco, is just... Don't tell Happy and Sadie, but Coco is as good a duck hunter as my labs are. Coco, Coco the German Shepherd, is an awesome duck hunter and she retrieves yeah. pheasants and doves and woodcock and grouse and squirrels whenever i get a squirrel out of the tree um whatever whatever dog catches it that's their prize and they they kind of almost get into a a, a piss match sure. trying to get the squirrel but they got it now they're so aggressive that they actually catch the squirrel coming out of the tree yeah. it's really awesome then they go nuts and they're so happy and okay. then i'm happy yeah hunting
1: dogs hunting dogs are- They add so much to the experience. I I love it. It's it's a duck hunting, pheasant hunting.
0: My whole world has grown ever since I got Knox. I love it. And then you Mississippi guys, a lot of people come up and they squawk about, well, it's not ethical to hunt deer with dogs. shut up. Anytime you can use a dog to go hunting, it's perfect. I mean, name me, name me where a dog isn't perfect for hunting bears and mountain lions and bobcats and, and running them with uh, coyotes and running hares out west. Whenever you can utilize a dog, it, it, it upgrades the quality of the excitement level, like you said, exponentially. So you got, we got to be careful in our sport that there are some people that go, well, anybody can chase a bear up a tree with dogs and shoot it. Well, I'll give you 4 days to do it smart ass. Let's see you keep up with those dogs going up and down those mountains and down those valleys. But there's a there's a cannibalistic, you know, uh, stupidity uh inbreeding in our own sport that they'll criticize other people's choice of methodology and that hurts me more than the numb nuts in the animal rights world i mean if you don't want to hunt a bear with a hound here's a good idea don't you don't leave the rest of us alone it's it's an incredible experience and the dogs go nuts and i'll tell you in my life i probably shot a half dozen bear over hounds but i bet i put in 50 miles per bear and now with my new knees i'm not going to be able to do that anymore uh but i i love it all if not only if it's legal will i do it but if there's some laws where it's illegal i will fight those bureaucrats like in colorado you can't use hounds or bait which is why the bears are dangerously overpopulated, and then these corrupt bureaucrat punks will take our tax dollars and hire a USDA hunter to hunt the bears that we weren't allowed to kill using hounds and bait year round. When that kind of stuff. Happens. How can a government guy do that when the people who own the resource are not allowed to? And California, does it? There's a bunch of states that have these laws. They're unethical. The laws are immoral. That's why I fight against those immoral laws. They were implemented by anti-hunters, and there's many states' game agencies that are infested with anti-hunters. Here's one for you, Lake, if you want to cry. Michigan farmers have been squawking for years that the sandhill cranes are so overpopulated. Sandhill cranes, ribeye in the sky. Sandhill cranes, a federal migratory game bird. And when a game animal reaches population levels of sustained yield, you open a season on them. Get this. Talking about immoral laws, immoral bureaucrats. The farmers squawked long and hard. So finally, you're not going to believe this. The Department of Natural Resources, power abusing bastards. And the Natural Resource Commission said, okay, okay, they're destroying millions of dollars worth of crops. Okay, okay, you can shoot them on sight, but you're not allowed to eat them. No. No.
1: I swear to God, I don't, yeah. that's
0: at in Michigan. Michigan used to be the greatest state, and now we're run by a bunch of Marxists. Just think of the men and women who left that room and agreed to immorally wanton and waste a ribeye in the sky. I, I, I couldn't.
1: I couldn't do that. That's not how... No, I not on a
0: catch do it, but I don't do it. Yeah, and that's... if you want to arrest me for eating a game bird, bring it on and let me defend myself in front of a jury. No man alive can tell me I have to waste a precious game animal. What? what see what we've become? It's, so... it's unbelievable. It's, yeah, so true. I fight. I fight and I fight and I fight. Yeah. That's so terribly unethical. Like I couldn't... I couldn't
1: imagine. Doesn't that does that make your brain hurt? It's, it, I mean, I'm trying to think just if I were to put it in a view down here like if someone told me that I could I could shoot a turkey in the springtime but then I just had to leave it out there.
0: It's the same thing. I'd, I'd That's like, exactly yeah. what they said about sandhill cranes.
1: Like, no, I'm not going to do that. That goes against how I was it's ready. immoral. Yeah. It, 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 the way I was raised, I'm sure it was, it was hunting is you you kill something, you kill a deer, you kill a turkey, you kill a duck. You, that's eat
0: that's it. food. You eat it. Yeah, that's what eat it's it. for. I don't. That's, that's a moral response. So, so a lot of people think I'm, you know, extremist and radical. Well, yeah, when I see immorality gushing from corrupt bureaucrats, I'm going to radically go after them. I'm going to go after them until they fix it. Here's another one. So September 1st, more family hours of recreation, more revenues generated than any activity ever opening day of dove season.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Number one game animal, not just game bird, number one game thing in the world. Mm -hmm. More family hours of recreation, more revenues generated, perfect use of a renewable resource. You ready? In Michigan, we grow more doves than we do all the pheasant, quail, woodcock, and grouse combined. Those are all legal game birds, right? In fact, I have shotgun shells with a picture of a dove on it. Uh, Lake, have you ever seen a picture of uh, have you ever seen a picture of a cardinal on a shotgun shell box? Can't, can't
1: say No, that. they don't
0: put songbirds on shotgun shell boxes. Well, guess what Michigan did? I'm telling you, Michigan is an embarrassment. Our governor, our attorney general, our lieutenant governor, the whole gang of corrupt politicians. In Michigan, we grow more doves than all the all the game birds combined. You're not allowed to hunt them. They're songbirds. Why? I, uh. yeah, that's a head scratcher there. The whole thing. It's, yeah, the whole so I I will not go quietly, man. I, I got I got a different Concord bridge every other day up here. So I I keep fighting that stuff. But a lot of people, I'm glad we're doing this Primos podcast, because when I say things like that, everybody watching is going, Huh? Yeah. Are you Kidding me? And I'm not kidding you. Every state has asinine anti hunting laws. Every state has some. Michigan, I'm, almost all of them are insane. Uh, Colorado, California, uh, Maryland, Massachusetts, Connecticut. Uh, even New Jersey woke up years ago and they started, you know, properly identifying the overpopulation of deer so you can get unlimited tags in some areas. But it's it's biology. It's science. Meanwhile, some dope smoker at the University of Michigan going to the annual hash bash wants to save the bird of peace. <laughs> ah! It's planet of the cuckoo's nest. So I keep fighting and uh, I wrap my uh, songbirds in bacon. I don't know about you.
1: that's what you want to see those people that made that statement like have you ever had a dove have you ever eaten dove? because it's quite incredible (laughs) and if there's that's what you want to ask those people like i don't i don't
0: understand that it's lake if i if i carve that beautiful little medallion off of each breast of a dove by the way here's another uncle ted tech tip i bet you guys don't hang your doves do you no i I never have all fowl should be hung for at least a week, whole, you just put, I put a baling twine around their heads and hang them in the cooler. You don't gut them, you don't pluck them, you hang them whole. Same with pheasant, grouse, woodcock, all ducks, turkeys. Turkeys, it's imperative that you hang a turkey. I mean, not imperative, but if you want it to really taste good, you hang these birds whole for at least a week in you know 35 to 40 degrees, I have a cooler that I use, and once you hang them like that, just like venison. Venison is always better when it's hung and aged. You start aging your birds, and you don't have to wrap bacon around them. <laughs> You're wrapping up bacon around my dirty socks. I'm sure it would be good enough. Um, but but if you hang those birds and then just you know saute them hot with hot oil and some shallots and some you know peppers and, and onions and little, little shrapnels of potatoes, and you like uh, stir fry them the flavor of a hung dove there's no comparison I know it's a tradition you shoot some doves and you got a little hibachi there and you're shooting doves and the kids are having a good time and you kill them and you breast them and you put them wrap around bacon a little jalapeno and cream cheese in the middle put them on the grill well that's wonderful but until you've eaten doves that have been hung and aged you have no idea how delicious they are I'm gonna try that. Yes, hang them dove. (laughs) Hell, I hang my bass player before every guy, but I'll just age him a little bit. (laughs) Make sure he's good. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild.
1: (laughs) I'm really, I'm gonna try, I've never heard that. I'm gonna try. A lot of
0: people in America, you know, I hunted with the SAS in Scotland and uh, in England and the borders there, where we shot these giant uh, wood pigeons and, and feral pigeons and uh, red-legged and red-eared grouse and partridge and uh, hares. And uh, all still up in that part of the country, you'll still see the game hanging whole in the butcher window because it hangs, it it enhances the flavor, just like it does with beef or or, uh, certainly venison, the best venison always aged. In fact, a lot of people don't know, too, that an awadad, these magnificent Barbary sheep running wild in Texas Mm -hmm. and uh, New Mexico, a lot of people don't use the meat. Well, there's a trick. You have to take out the entire esophagus and windpipe. You have to separate the hams of the hindquarters and there's a little a little gland in there about the size of the tip of your finger. And you get that gland out of there and you age all dad meat and it's awesome. It's it's like the whole damn animal is like a backstrap, but there's a few tricks that a lot of people don't know. And I've been doing it for so long and I get to hunt so many different areas and species with different landowners that I've been taught these things and uh, hanging fowl, all fowl, it enhances the flavor substantially. I'm absolutely going to try that because
1: I do it with venison without question. It's just
0: the thing to do. You know, you hang your
1: venison. I'm I'm 100% doing that after dove season
0: this year. And I surprise a lot of people when I tell them that because they go, why would you do that? Well, you want it to taste good. That's why you do it. (laughs) That's <laughs> the whole point, right? Uh
1: I would be I would be upset with myself if I had you on this podcast and I did not ask you about Fred Bear.
0: Oh boy. You know, I, I do my own Ted Nugent Spirit Campfire mm-hmm. every every uh, Monday. Every Monday and Thursday, and I'm here in my barn right now. Boy, what a story. <sighs> I'm a lucky, lucky guy. I met Fred. On our annual trips up north every year back in 1955, probably before the 54. Here's a photo, I don't know if you see, it, of Henrietta and Fred. Yeah. That's Fred Bear and Henrietta up at their uh, Grayling home many, many years ago. Incredible. But I met the uh, guy, and I didn't know who he was, of course. I was uh, just a little boy. I was already addicted to the bow and arrow. And uh, We'd stop at this little shack in Grayling on our way up north to the National Forest to bow hunt. My dad, I still have my dad's bow. It's on the wall here. And uh, it's a longbow. And I have my first bow, longbow from 1955. It's hanging up in my cabin behind me here. And long story short, born, I could keep you here for hours and hours and hours telling you my Fred Bear stories. But eventually, I realized who this guy was. He's my bow and arrow guy. He's my he's my Chuck Berry of bow hunting. Because I was already rocking my ass off and hunting with a bow and arrow every day along the Rouge River in Detroit. So eventually, by the time I was eight or nine, I realized we're stopping at this little shack that says Bear Archery. And this is Fred Berry. He was on the cover of True Magazine with a polar bear. That's this guy. Yeah. So I started getting, like like a Gaga fan eventually, probably be a pain in the ass, but we'd stop up there and we'd have a chocolate milk and cherry pie at the Grayling restaurant. And he was the nicest guy, funny guy, cocky guy, but really down to earth. There's that compliment. He's grounded, he was jolly and friendly. And eventually when I graduated from high school, I went to, uh, my dad got transferred to Chicago, so I didn't hunt Michigan in 65 and 66. But as soon as I graduated in 67, I came back to Michigan and I went up and reintroduced myself to Fred Bear. And I was like a rock and roll maniac and he was a little concerned about that because everybody figured out oh, sex, drugs and rock and roll. But me, it was sex, sex and rock and roll. Um, and so, so eventually he told me that one of his sales reps because he was questing this uh, Nugent guy, he's got a band called the Amboy Dukes, and he's a wild man, and I'm not, I don't want to really associate with this rock and roll stuff, and his salesperson, his salesman told him, he goes, no, 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 this Nugent guy, he, just go, he promotes clean and sober, he promotes the mystical flight of the air, he's always talking about bow hunting and how it keeps him bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, he goes, no, this Nugent guy's okay. So the next time I went up, by now, of course, it wasn't a little shack. It was the largest archery company in the world, big, giant museum up there. And Fred and I became friends. And he, he articulated how from all his uh, uh, reps from around the country, because I used to, I used to, I still do, shoot my bow and arrow. I shoot flaming arrows on stage and blow stuff up and <laughs> shoot Saddam Hussein in the belly with a flaming arrow. Um, so I've always done archery demonstrations because it's fascinating. Plus, it, it's, it's me. I, yeah. I, I can incorporate a flaming arrow in my rock and roll show, I promise you. So we became good friends, and then he started inviting me to his private camp up in Rose City, and I would hunt with him every fall. That's Fred and me with my dog, uh, uh, Popeye. I I Paco. No, that one's Paco. That's Paco the Wonder Dog. Paco, Popeye, and Pinecone. But we became we became good friends because he said that everywhere he went to do the different sporting shows he said to me this is 1985 1986 he said everywhere i go everybody under 40 wants to know if i know ted nugent <laughs> because I, I i incorporated archery into the rock and roll and we did thousands and thousands of concerts and you can imagine with the intensity of my music and all of a sudden the band's going nuts the guitars feeding back in the spotlights and I come out with a bow and arrow and a loincloth and shoot a skull off amp I mean how do you beat that (laughs) so so he and I became good friends and then I on uh in October of 1987 I was at his lodge with him I hauled ass to get back every year just just to be around the campfire with the guy, mm-hmm. and uh, he told me to keep doing what I'm doing. He says uh, you got people are criticizing you because you say whack 'em and stack 'em. Well, what does whack 'em and stack 'em means? I think it means kill 'em and butcher 'em, or maybe maybe harvest them and cook them. I mean, what the hell's the <laughs> difference? I <laughs> I know when I got my first deer, I got my first deer with the bow in 1970. And my dad, I think he might have said, you yeah, you're really whacking and stacking now. I got one deer. <laughs> but I've made up for it since then. So the point is, is he told me to keep promoting it with the clean and sober message and the excitability because I'm an excitable guy. And if you're not exuding excitement for bow hunting, young people don't, they're not going to pay any attention to you. I not agree more. But they sure pay attention to me, even as old as I am. You go to my Facebook anytime, Lake, and look at the millions of people that love the attitude, the music, and my bow hunting. Oh, yeah. We have more young demographic, and I'm old, but we have more young demographic watch Spirit of the Wild than any other show, not even, even, zero. I I bet you I have more young people outside of the hunting world that watch my show than all the other shows combined. And what's the most important job we have? Recruitment. Mm -hmm. Recruitment, retention, and inspiration. And so my energy, that's what Fred said. He said, the way you do it. People see that it's fun because, with all due respect, if I can, Lake, uh, some of the uh, guys in uh, the uh, sporting goods industry, you know, they'll talk about uh, that buck had some good mass and I hit him a little far back. (laughs) They score pretty good. What's what's, is this guy dead? I mean, I get more excited choosing socks in the morning than some of these some of these guys that have record book animals. I mean, what is wrong with these people? That that's that's how much you enjoy this? You, you know what? You've seen them. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah, I got a pretty good uh, buck on a trail camera. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just sad. Shemaine, come here that impersonation is spot on can you get out with primos for you look beautiful and this is is jerry right jerry just moved in i don't know where jerry came from (laughs) (laughs) shemaine just came in the barn
1: well i'll show you this this is the most important thing right here what's that my boots oh
0: yeah look at that All right. Hey guys, how are you? Yeah. Hey, that's Lake Pickle. Hey Lake,
1: good to see you.
0: Good to see you too. How come you don't have that on? Uh, do you think I need to turn? I'll see what happens. Yes. See this, mo- been- this is a more the merrier
1: podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah. is that good? What's so good? Anyhow, so so yeah, so that's what I do. I promote it with. I'm luckily I'm very passionate and excited about it, and that's contagious. Oh, for And so I so think good. I think the guys that are dispassionate, I think they do. More harm to our sport than they do good because if it looks that boring, then why would anybody want to buy a bow and arrow? I, I I'm t- I couldn't agree more. The way it, it, it's the way you come
1: across is magnetic. I, I think you know it. it I are I really I couldn't. I coming from me and and again talking about the younger demographic. Just from the buddies that I've told you know because I haven't that I've told friend personal friends of mine that hey I'm gonna have. Ted Nugent is coming on the podcast and these are guys, you know, twenties and under and they, Oh man, man, when's that one coming out? When's that one coming out? You know, it's, it's, it's a draw. And so I, I I can't thank you enough for what you have done and for what you, what you continue to do. I I really can. And I mean that, I would say that to you whether or not we record the podcast or not.
0: Uh, Well, thank you. you. You know, and I, we are, we are in a culture war. And the tip of the spear of the culture war began with animal rights, anti-hunting, and anti-gun. That was the battle cry of the left, and they attacked me starting in late 1960s. They attacked me because they, I always talked about aim small, miss small, shooting fun, and they went, well, you have guns? I go, yeah, on me. Uh, I mean, what what kind of, yeah, you know, good guys winning against bad guys, that would, Take a gun, you dirtbag. So they would attack me for carrying a gun or being a member of the NRA, and they attacked me for eating venison. But these guys were all stoned. They are all druggies. They all had intentionally altered their minds and ruined their lives with drugs and alcohol. And because I wouldn't play their drug and alcohol game, they, they, they just literally turned on me. Not all of them, but an awful lot in the media, even to this day, are really, really, hateful and, and lie about me all the time. But you know what? When the devil hates you, it means you're on course. It means <laughs> it means you're doing good stuff. So you, you give the world the best you got and you get kicked in the teeth. Always give the world the best you got anyhow. And that's what Fred taught me. And that's why that song erupted. That's why my musical life collided and Paralleled and harmonized with my hunting life, and that song about my love and my heartbreak at losing that great man, it came out as as pure as the love for a child being born, or saying goodbye to a loved one at the gravesite, and it was the most perfect emotion that I believe, and an awful lot of people believe, was executed musically to represent that perfect emotion and what a great man he was. And that song has taught more people who Fred Bear was than anything the archery industry has ever done. Um, And so I I couldn't be more proud of that. Uh, It it displays perfectly, not just my love, but I've heard from so many of his friends and his family, and it's their song. And you go to my Facebook and millions of bow hunters around the country play that song I'm (laughs) they play it every opening day and I hear from them and it it literally it's like I'm there at their camp with them and that's what that man represented and that's what that song represents to those people who either loved him and knew him or now love him and know him because of the song so it's it's a magic moment and it proves that Uh, God works in miraculous ways because the old goofy uh, Detroit guitar player who loved his bow and arrow just as much as his guitar, um, those forces came together at that heartbreaking moment. And uh, I play it on stage every night and it's, nobody's feet touch the ground. It's magic, magic stuff.
1: Well, look, I can speak for the rest of Primos when I say we are thankful and appreciative for that guitar player. We we appreciate you, and I seriously thank you for doing this podcast. I know you're a busy guy. Um, hopefully, we can have you on again in the future. But for now, let's do
0: it. Let's get let's do an update on the backstrap orgy because I got <laughs> unlimited doe tags here in Michigan, and I'm using them. Um, <laughs> I got. I don't know if you can see, but I got. I got. I'm down to my last. 56,000 arrows um I'm down to my last 350 bows um behind me over here is about about 100,000 rounds of ammo but uh yeah I'm in uh Cabela's wish they had an, an inventory like I have um so so I live this stuff I have big plans for this season I promise you this Lake Pickle and everybody at Primos and all my blood brothers out there my name is Ted Nugent Not a damn thing you could do about it. And I am gonna have the best hunting season of my life. I've got this thing down where Mr. Right Hand and Mr. Left Hand are one, like a Samurai Bruce Lee thing. And when Mr. Brain says, all right, Mr. Eyeballs, tell left hand and right hand to let her rip. And I'm shooting really good. uh, I, if a deer's within 70 yards of me, I got butter and garlic with his name on it. So I, I, I shoot my bow every day and I shoot squirrels. So if, I always think, here's a little trick everybody can remember. First of all, I know arrows are expensive. In the old days, we'd shoot at everything, a chipmunk, a bird. I mean, we just shoot, shoot, shoot. And that's where you learn that mystical flight of the arrow. That's where you, be, you become the path of your arrow life. Well, with the pins and the peep and the let off on the compound, and the the fact that every arrow is worth about 20 bucks people aren't whooping them up in the trees at squirrels anymore but i do (laughs) and so and so when i know i can hit a squirrel more often than not if i can hit a squirrel how can i possibly miss a lung so when i shoot i go that deer has a squirrel in his pocket (laughs) (laughs) you're not shooting at a deer there's a squirrel right there behind his leg. <laughs> shoot, shoot that squirrel. <laughs> so if you think, you know, we talk aim small, miss small. In the old days, everybody had on their bow, pick a spot. In fact, here's an antique. This is my, uh, I, I painted it up, so I don't models. Oh, it's a Bear Super Kodiak with an old quiver that I rigged on it. But I killed so many deer with this bow and in the old days, I'm sure Will and some of the guys can tell you, that we put pick a spot because you can't shoot at a deer. You got to pick a hare to shoot at. So my trick is to pretend there's a squirrel behind every shoulder. And, I, and even if I miss the squirrel, I'm still going to get the lung. So that's a little trick that I've learned over the years because nothing breaks your heart more. And I've seen you do it, and I've seen your heart broke. Um, when you got, you got to, you never miss, you, it's, he's right there. You know exactly what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and you shoot over him or you shoot under him. Yeah. Lake, pick a squirrel. Find a squirrel behind their shoulder and you'll get more backstraps out of the deal. You got to aim squirrel, miss small, right? <laughs> yeah, aim, aim squirrel, miss miss nut. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's do this again. Thanks for having me on. Give my best to Jimmy and Brad and Will and everybody there. Tell them that I, I live for Primos. So I use the Primos stuff in all my hunting. You really have not just great world class products, but you enhance the quality of the outdoor lifestyle. I mean, Will and the guys design stuff right, you know, in a utilitarian, usable, proven methodology. So thank everybody there at Primos. And right now, in 2020. The industry has created the best arrows, the best bows, the best guns, the best ammo, the best optics, the best clothing, the best boots. I mean, this is literally, when I was growing up, I still got some of my old uh, wool-rich black and red uh, checkered uh, hunting clothes, and we wear Herman Survivors. I know Will will know what I'm talking about. Herman Survivors were insulated leather boots, and you'd freeze your, Toes off. (laughs) But nowadays the the products are so unbelievably good. So these are the times to get more and more people involved. In fact, I would welcome everybody to come to my Facebook and see that there's people that are looking for spiritual invigoration, and you will find it in the great outdoors. But also come to my Facebook. I have a Ted Nugent Spirit Campfire tonight, every Monday and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern time and no matter where i am tonight i have my great guitar player derek st holmes i had billy gibbons and governor huckabee i had ricky medlock from uh, leonard skinnard i had mitch ryder on i'm i got sarah palin coming on soon i got sammy hager coming on but it's a riot i had my band greg and jason just the best it's called the spirit campfire and it's about an hour long every monday and thursday and we have a riot, and people who love the outdoor lifestyle are just like a smartass that's having a really good time. Um, <laughs> I think my spirit campfire is a little special. I love it. I love it.
1: I absolutely will. I, I love it. Ted, um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll sign off on today, and we'll definitely, we'll definitely plan on doing this again in the future. I cannot thank you enough. Really. You really- bet,
0: man. My best to you and your family. God bless. Godspeed. And let's pray for America, and let's pray for this great president. The boy, You know, I've been attacked and and, and vilified all my life for standing up for God, family, country, freedom, the Constitution. But we need to pray for this great president, Donald Trump. And everybody should go to huntthevote.org. I'm not endorsing anyone, but if you believe in God, family, country, and you're not voting, the enemies of America think you're on their side. Mm -hmm. So go to huntthevote.org. Dot org Make sure we're all registered and that we vote God, family, country. Also, there's one called gunvote.org. Gunvote.org. There's a political party that has come right out and said, we're coming to take your guns. That's what the British tried. That's what everybody's tried. Gunvote.org. And also, register and vote. Go to huntthevote.org. If we don't participate in this sacred experiment in self-government, the Marxists that are burning down Seattle and Portland, they will win, and they'll turn America into Seattle and Portland. And if we let them them do it, we deserve what we get. Huntthevote.org. Thank you, Ted. All right, man. Live it up. Good hunting. Aim small, miss small. Pick a squirrel. Pick a squirrel. We'll see you. Thank you. (laughs) Adios.